My Name from the House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. In English, my name means hope. In Spanish, it means too many letters. It means sadness. It means waiting. It is like the number nine, a muddy color. It is the Mexican records my father plays on Sunday mornings when he is shaving. Songs like sobbing. It was my great-grandmother's name, and now it is mine. She was a horsewoman, too, born like me in the Chinese year of the horse, which is supposed to be bad luck if you're born female. But I think this is a Chinese lie, because the Chinese, like the Mexicans, don't like their women strong. My great-grandmother. I would have liked to have known her. A wild horse of a woman, so wild she wouldn't marry until my great-grandfather threw a sack over her head and carried her off, just like that, as if she were a fancy chandelier. That's the way he did it. And the story goes, she never forgave him. She looked out the window her whole life, the way so many women sit their sadness on an elbow. I wonder if she made the best with what she got. Or was she sorry because she couldn't be all the things she wanted to be? Esperanza. I have inherited her name, but I don't want to inherit her place by the window. At school, they say my name funny, as if the syllables were made out of tin and hurt the roof of your mouth. But in Spanish, my name is made out of a softer something, like silver, not quite as thick as sister's name, Magdalena, which is uglier than mine. Magdalena, who at least can come home and become ninny. But I am always Esperanza. I would like to baptize myself under a new name. A name more like the real me, the one nobody sees. Esperanza as Lisandra or Maritza or Zeze the X. Yes, something like Zeze the X will do. Our Good Day from The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. If you give me five dollars, I will be your friend forever. That's what the little one tells me. Five dollars is cheap since I don't have any friends except Kathy, who is only my friend till Tuesday. Five dollars. Five dollars. She is trying to get somebody to chip in so they can buy a bicycle from this kid named Tito. They already have ten dollars, and all they need is five more. Only five dollars, she says. Don't talk to them, says Kathy. Can't you see they smell like a broom? But I like them. Their clothes are crooked and old. They are wearing shiny Sunday shoes without socks. It makes their bald ankles all red. But I like them, especially the big one who laughs with all her teeth. I like her even though she lets the little one do all the talking. Five dollars, the little one says. Only five. Kathy is tugging my arm, and I know whatever I do next will make her mad forever. Wait a minute, I say, and run inside to get the five dollars. 
I have three dollars saved, and I take two of Ninny's. She's not home, but I'm sure she'll be glad when she finds out we own a bike. When I get back, Kathy is gone like I knew she would be, but I don't care. I have two new friends and a bike, too. My name is Lucy, the big one says. This here is Rachel, my sister. I'm her sister, says Rachel. Who are you? And I wish my name was Cassandra or Alexis or Maritza, anything but Esperanza. But when I tell them my name, they don't laugh. We come from Texas, Lucy says and grins. Her was born here, but me, I'm Texas. You mean she, I say. No, I'm from Texas, and doesn't get it. This bike is three ways ours, says Rachel, who is thinking ahead already. Mine today, Lucy's tomorrow, and yours day after. But everybody wants to ride it today because the bike is new. So we decide to take turns after tomorrow. Today, it belongs to all of us. I don't tell them about Ninny just yet. It's too complicated. Especially since Rachel almost put out Lucy's eye about who was going to get to ride it first. But finally, we agree to ride it together. Why not? Because Lucy has long legs, she pedals. I sit on the back seat, and Rachel is skinny enough to get up on the handlebars, which makes the bike all wobbly as if the wheels are spaghetti. But after a bit, you get used to it. We ride fast and faster, past my house, sad and red and crumbly in places, past Mr. Benny's grocery on the corner, and down the avenue, which is dangerous, laundromat, junk store, drug store, windows and cars and more cars, and around the block to Mango. People on the bus wave. A very fat lady crossing the street says, You sure got a load there, Rachel shouts. You got quite a load there, too. She is very sassy. Down, down Mango Street we go. Rachel, Lucy, me, our new bicycle, laughing the crooked ride back. The Family of Little Feet from The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. There was a family. All were little. Their arms were little, and their hands were little, and their height was not tall, and their feet very small. The grandpa slept on the living room couch and snored through his teeth. His feet were fat and doughy, like thick tamales and these he powdered and stuffed into white socks and brown leather shoes. The grandma's feet were lovely as pink pearls and dressed in velvety high heels that made her walk with a wobble, but she wore them anyway because they were pretty. The baby's feet had ten tiny toes, pale and see-through like a salamander's, and these he popped into his mouth whenever he was hungry. The mother's feet, plump and polite, descended like white pigeons from the sea of pillow across the linoleum roses 
down, down the wooden stairs, over the chalk hopscotch squares, five, six, seven, blue sky. Do you want this? And gave us a paper bag with one pair of lemon shoes and one red and one pair of dancing shoes that used to be white but were now pale blue. Here. And we said thank you and waited until she went upstairs. Hooray! Today we are Cinderella because our feet fit exactly. And we laugh at Rachel's one foot with a girl's gray sock and a lady's high heel. Do you like these shoes? But the truth is, it is scary to look down at your foot that is no longer yours and see attached a long, long leg. Everybody wants to trade the lemon shoes for the red shoes, the red for the pair that were once white but are now pale blue, the pale blue for the lemons, and take them off and put them back on and keep on like this a long time until we are tired. Then Lucy screams to take our socks off, and yes, it's true, we have legs, skinny and spotted with satin scars where scabs were picked, but legs, all our own, good to look at and long. It's Rachel who learns to walk the best, all strutted in those magic high heels, she teaches us to cross and uncross our legs and to run like a double dutch rope and how to walk down to the corner so that the shoes talk back to you with every step. Lucy, Rachel, me, tea tottering like so. Down to the corner where the men can't take their eyes off us. We must be Christmas. Mr. Benny, at the corner grocery, puts down his important cigar. Your mother know you got shoes like that? Who give you those? Nobody. Them are dangerous, he says. You girls too young to be wearing shoes like that. Take them shoes off before I call the cops. But we just run. On the avenue, a boy on a homemade bicycle calls out, Ladies, lead me to heaven. There's nobody around but us. Do you like these shoes? Rachel says yes. And Lucy says yes. And yes, I say, these are the best shoes. We will never go back to wearing the other kind again. Do you like these shoes? In front of the laundromat, six girls with the same fat face pretend we are invisible. They are the cousins, Lucy says, and always jealous. We just keep strutting. Across the street in front of the tavern, a bum man on the stoop. Do you like these shoes? Bum man says, yes, little girl. Your lemon shoes are so beautiful. But come closer. I can't see very well. Come closer, please. You are a pretty girl, bum man continues. What's your name, pretty girl? And Rachel says, Rachel, just like that. Now, you know to talk to drunks is crazy and to tell them your name is worse. But who can blame her? She is young and dizzy to hear so many sweet things in one day, even if it is a bum man's whiskey word saying them. Rachel, you are prettier than a yellow taxi cab. You know that? But we don't like it. We got to go, 
Lucy says. If I give you a dollar, will you kiss me? How about a dollar? I give you a dollar. And he looks in his pocket for wrinkled money. We have to go right now, Lucy says, taking Rachel's hand because she looks like she's thinking about that dollar. Bum man is yelling something to the air, but by now we are running fast and far away, our high heel shoes taking us all the way down the avenue and around the block, past the ugly cousins, past Mr. Benny's, up Mango Street, the back way, just in case. We are tired of being beautiful. Lucy hides the lemon shoes and the red shoes and the shoes that used to be white but are now pale blue under a powerful bushel basket on the back porch until one Tuesday her mother, who is very clean, throws them away. But no one complains. Minerva writes poems from The House on Mongo Street by Sandra Cisneros. Minerva is only a little bit older than me, but already she has two kids and a husband who left. Her mother raised her kids alone, and it looks like her daughters will go that way too. Minerva cries because her luck is unlucky every night and every day, and prays. But when the kids are asleep after she's fed them their pancake dinner, she writes poems on little pieces of paper that she folds over and over and holds in her hands a long time. Little pieces of paper that smell like a dime. She lets me read her poems. I let her read mine. She is always sad, like a house on fire. Always something wrong. She has many troubles, but the big one is her husband who left and keeps leaving. One day she is through and lets him know enough is enough. Out the door he goes, clothes, records, shoes, out the window and the door locked. But that night he comes back and sends a big rock through the window. Then he is sorry and she opens the door again. Same story. Next week, she comes over black and blue and asks, what can she do? Minerva, I don't know which way she'll go. There's nothing I can do. The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros, a house of my own. Not a flat, not an apartment in back, not a man's house, not a daddy's. A house all my own, with my porch and my pillow, my pretty purple petunias, my books and my stories, my two shoes waiting beside the bed. Nobody to shake a stick at. Nobody's garbage to pick up after. Only a house, quiet as snow. A space for myself to go, clean as paper before the poem.